0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast
1: and the Animation Deliberation Podcast.
0: And Paul, just to throw it, it in yours. And,
1: as well. and the Zen Madman Twitch Cast.
2: I don't know. It, it's I, <laughs> I don't have a podcast at the we, moment.
0: We, we are building a Rebel Alliance here, <laughs> uh, yeah, an alliance yeah, yeah. of voices coming together to talk about this episode of the Star Wars TV show, The Bad Batch, episode eleven. We're coming to you live on Twitch, along with Paul Hoppy and J. Scotty Saint Clair. All that and more after commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm your host. I'm joined today, as I said, by Paul Hoppy and J. Scotty St. Clair. First off, Paul coming fresh off of his Twitch stream, jumping on with us. You've watched a little bit of uh, media the last 10 hours or so. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. Um, I'm surprised that I don't feel worse because I did (laughs) not get much sleep.
0: (laughs) Yes. Paul and I both decided not to watch the movie in theaters, so we both watched Black Widow on Disney Plus right when it came out, which was uh, midnight for Paul, 2 a.m. for me. I went right to bed after, and then watched the Bad Batch this morning. Paul, you watched both, so that's correct. Uh, we're going to try and keep those two very distinct for any spoiler purposes, but mm-hmm. I apologize in advance if we uh, uh, cross the streams a bit. Yeah. In seriousness, no, we're not going to spoil anything. Yeah, no spoilers. What about you, Jay Scotty? Did you watch Bad Batch at a stupid o'clock time in the morning?
1: Well, anybody that's been listening to me for any given amount of time, everyone knows that I, I have what we like to call Grandpa hours, and I'm I'm usually up and at them pretty <laughs> early, so. Um, I did squeeze my, ver- my first viewing in about 7.30 my time, and I, I actually got uh, two viewings in, so definitely ready to, awesome. to discuss awesome. this oh, nice. one. Yeah.
0: And this was an episode that was very heavy on stuff from the prior TV shows, and as we've talked about before, Paul and I have seen Clone Wars and Rebels, I know, Jay Scotty, you have not, so I'm definitely Correct. really interested to hear how, how the episode was for both of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, but just to start, um, Jay Scotty, can you give us kind of a quick plot summary what happens this episode?
1: Yeah, so this one, we spend the entirety of the episode on the planet Ryloth, which is the Twi'lek homeworld, and this very much puts us back in that, that story arc about seeing the Republic transitioning to the Empire and what that looks like on these various worlds, and most of it's told from the perspective of this character Hera, who I was I was not familiar with. Uh, I mean, I, I know, I've heard the name, I know that there was a Twi'lek character, a, a pilot of sorts from Rebels, and obviously this is her story of, uh, you know, her uncle having this rebellion going on in, in the midst of this, this occupation. And they take all the weapons away, so there's an arrangement made to smuggle in some more weapons, and that's the one scene that we get with our title characters, the Bad Batch. Um, and from there, we, we Crosshair was kind of present through the proceedings, and he takes down the ship. We get the assassination of Senator Ta and the framing of of harris parents and they get arrested and harris just kind of out on her own from there and and i think that pretty much sums up what what took place in the episode i might be missing some details here and there but i think i covered most of it
0: no i think i think you hit it pretty hard
2: i think one detail that i'd throw in is um possibly attempted assassination yes yes i made note of that as well like it's unclear whether or not it was attempted and then actually completed by someone else or whether it was specifically not actually a complete assassination, but more just like shot, you know,
1: from. Yeah. So.
0: Right. To look like he's been killed or something. Like a exactly. lobot-
1: possibly a lobotomy. Yeah. We know about Crosshair's accuracy. So. Right. Right.
0: I, I was trying to remember, Paul, does that senator appear in Star Wars Rebels? I don't think he does.
1: I'm not sure. I, I did a
2: little bit of um, online digging, uh, mostly because of some really obscure aspect that I wanted to look up. But uh, <laughs> that senator, I think, does appear in s- some Sith something the mm-hmm. um, like that takes place after this. So there, you know, there's there's speculation about whether or not they are alive because they show up in some other piece of media, which may or may not be canon. Right. But, that's fair. You know, so.
0: So I have to say, overall, I think this is my favorite episode we've gotten since, like, the first three or four. Wow. Um, and I and we can talk about this more. I don't think it's coincidental that it's the episode where our titular characters appear the least. Um, part of it, I think, is—and and this is why J. Scotty, especially, I'm curious, your take on it— is just the kind of—not even just the nostalgia factor, but seeing characters who I know and love so much from Star Wars Rebels uh, and a little bit from Clone Wars— and getting to kind of see their origin story and see development of the characters that made so much sense. But I also just feel like we were getting a lot more of the kind of world building that we were wanting. And and with characters who have... I feel like on some... And maybe we're just going to jump jump right into this from the beginning, but I'll hear your kind of general thoughts. For me, it felt like with the Bad Batch characters, I, I get the sense that they don't really have an arc for them that's going to last 16 episodes. And so we've, we're kind of having them in a holding pattern a little bit the next, last few episodes. And so getting to spend some time with some other characters and another story and a story that feels very relevant because it's, you know, the Empire. You know, we got to see the Empire when people loved it. Now we're going to see the Empire when people are not, not thrilled about it. So I, I just really loved this episode. What what'd you both think?
1: After you, Paul. Oh,
2: I was going to let you be positive and then say like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, I, That's funny. I watched the episode and thought, ah, I bet Matthew's going to really love this episode. <laughs> and then I also thought, like, like it's, you know, which it's just, like, I think it's great to tell that story. It's just mm-hmm. actually, it's not as interesting to me. Um, I really enjoy the choice of having the title characters be connected to the story, but not the protagonists of the story, right? They're, right they're, um, sort of, it's like a cameo basically on their own show. Um, (laughs) you know, which I think is cool. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, I, there were some things that took me out of it a little bit. Like I started off watching it in English and I, I found the, the accents a little kind of Mm off-putting.
0: Um,
2: like nothing against anybody having an accent. I mean, everybody has and accent right and i want there to be representation of uh people with all sorts of different accents in all sorts of different media Uh, but in the star wars universe it's often been kind of problematic Mm. like going back to like the phantom menace particularly right um and also i'd watched most of the episodes in spanish where if those characters have different accents my spanish isn't strong enough to really understand your ears not picking them up Right, it, like to represent, you know, what they maybe are supposed to represent or whatever. So um, I actually just switched it back to Spanish and so I was like, okay, I enjoy this more. But like, <laughs> That's fair. It, it was interesting. I mean, does does Hera have, like how does Hera speak in, in Rebels?
0: So yeah, I if you didn't see Rebels in English, you may not yeah. have picked up on this. Um, they present Hera in Rebels as being very good at code switching. That mm. she has that kind of okay. French You know, kind of accent, which in Clone Wars they established that that accent is not everyone on Twi'lek, but it's certainly by a lot of people on Twi'lek. I'm sorry, on Ryloth, the planet of the the Twi'lek. But that um, to some extent, Hera has, like, she has lost her accent. Okay. But that it's somewhat intentional, and that, like, I haven't seen it for a couple of years, so I'm not exactly sure, but I remember there's a scene where, like, there are scenes in uh, Rebels where she goes back to Ryloth and interacts with Twi'Lex who have that accent and her accent comes back somewhat. Mm. And, there, and there's some discussion of like, and it's, um, I, I, obviously I'm not someone who, code switching has not I, been a big part of my life. There's a little bit of it when I was kind of in like two different worlds in high school, but, but yeah. no means the same thing. And I remember folks who, ha- who do live a very kind of like code switching kind of a life, which, which by the way, for those who don't know the term, it's the kind of idea of like, you have one manner of talking or dressing or being, like in your home or your family or then, and then feeling like when you go to work or you go to school, you kind of have to change it. Um, Miles Morales in uh, Into the Spider-Verse I think is a great example of this um, where he feels like he has to talk a different way when he's around his fellow students or something like that. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so people I know who have had that experience said that they really identified with the way uh, Hera did that. So, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of feel like knowing that Helps yeah. give the accents a lot more context, but yeah, I think if you if you didn't, um, I, I can see not. And, and so, Jescotti, especially because you you don't have all that context. What was your take on the accent specifically? But then, want to hear your thoughts on it in general.
1: No, no I'm, I'm really glad that Paul brought that up because I was curious. I wanted to ask him what language he he watched the episode in because it it was one of those things. I obviously I I, I don't speak French or um, have any kind of accent like that, so I'm not coming from a perspective of being offended or anything like that. I'm not saying that. You, you are um, but uh, I thought it did a good job of kind of like invoking that feeling of like occupied France during what well, like World War two with mm. like you know the Empire yeah. very much are the Nazis obviously they have British accents for the most part but uh, I, I did appreciate that aspect you know the seizing of the of the weaponry and this, this guerrilla fighting force, and I, I just thought it did a, a, a nice job of uh, adding a little bit of flair and, and personality to the Star Wars universe. Obviously, the Twi'lek are a species that we've seen since the original trilogy, and it's uh, I, I haven't seen Rebels, so I didn't have that connection to Hera. I didn't know yeah. what to expect from her voice, and I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah,
0: and, and I think that the, the French Resistance thing is, is actually very fitting, because, again, here, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I remember this properly, so uh, listeners either... On Twitch or, or or after this, please feel free to write in and, and correct me. But my 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 memory is that in the in the Clone Wars show, Ryloth is basically like you know ruled by. Um, he at first is fighting against the Republic before he's fighting against the Confederates uh, oh, before it's... he's fighting against the Confederacy, and that there is that same element of like the main Ryloth government is kind of like Vichy France, you know, and it's kind of like it's going along with. These people, and he's kind of leading a resistance movement. So it's it's funny. I hadn't even thought of it in those terms, but as you said it, I think a lot of times the accents, especially in Clone Wars, feel either like they're putting into racist stereotypes, or they're just like, let's have these people have South African accents. Who cares? Right, right. Uh, and it just feels weird. But there, I think actually, the more I think about it, it actually is kind of perfect for what they were going for with that. I,
2: I, I like it more now. I mean, I I can see that. Like it, yeah. it was when I said off-putting, I meant like off-putting. You know, not yeah, yeah. like deeply offended not right, like right. You, you said the right of, things yeah. yeah sort of like <laughs> thank you sort of like confused sort of like what's uh what are, what are they going for here but seeing right. kind of more of the contest, I'm like okay okay I can I can see that I can see that
0: yeah makes sense so Jessica, what what do you think of the episode overall like did you were you kind of lost with all the all these new characters or do you kind of feel like you could really get pulled into it So I
1: I think that's one of the things about the show. Even when we're spending time with these characters that I'm not super familiar with, there's always a pretty strong story. And uh, the writing, uh, we talk about this being an episodic show and getting these standalone stories in each episode. In that regard, I thought it was a pretty tight story. I was never too lost. Um, Again, it was nice to get some context into this, this culture and this planet that I'd always kind of been referenced to. Um, outside of that, the animation continues to be really stellar. I really like some of the action sequences. Uh, the sound design stood out to me. Some of the music really stood out to me. It's just okay. nice to see some of those classic vehicles, like the speeder bikes, the land speeders, yeah. um, even the what is it, the L.A.T.T.S. the land low atmosphere aerial transports from yeah. It's basically what the um, what the Mandalorian has, but his is a modified version of that. And speaking of the Mandalorian, we got the Blurgs back from oh, yeah. Yeah. from episode episode one of the Mandalorian. So I just love the connectivity there.
0: It yeah, it's nice to see the Blurgs and the the ships that the Twilax used, it's clearly a very different kind of ship, but it has the the same kind of like front up and down like the front of it looks a little similar to Slave One, the yeah, ship yeah. that is a Boba Fett ship. Which by the way, for people who think Disney changed the name of the of the ship they didn't that's a made-up controversy by people that think things are too woke or whatever if you look at the packaging they always package it like something was sold as luke skywalker's starship it wasn't changed from being an x-wing so Hmm. put that controversy aside Uh, but my my own rant aside there yeah i I definitely like the front of it looked a lot like that because that kind of like you know lands like this and You've no idea what the hand gestures I'm making in the podcast, but it, it's, it's vertical design instead of horizontal. Is what I mean. I'm Which actually really, really glad like
1: that. that you brought up those ships specifically because I did make note. This episode very much reminded me of like being a kid, like with my brother, and having our, like our action figures, and just like we had action figures of like Bib Fortuna and whatnot, and we didn't have the full backstory for them, so we made up our own stories, and we had the land speeder and the speeder bikes and stuff like that. But with the design of those ships specifically, I really felt like it was almost like a Lego set of, like, the USS Enterprise. Like, I could see all the elements. To, sorry to bring up Star Trek here. I, I'm not even a big Star Trek We're, fan. but no it, I felt I lo- like you I love had, Yeah, yeah of
2: one of them looks like the Enterprise to me. Yeah, I <laughs> felt like, like you
1: had all the pieces of the Enterprise just rearranged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: For sure. I was, like, it... I was like, when did the Federation get here?
0: Yeah. I think it's certainly true. One thing I noted that I thought was interesting was... Uh, we had, one of the characters was a specific clone who, I'm, I'm trying to look up his name now, I think it was something like, an a, like ha- Hauser. Not Havoc.
1: Hauser, was he it? stood out to me as well.
0: Hauser, yeah. Mm-hmm. This was, unless I'm forgetting something, the first time that, other than Rex at the beginning, we had Rex for one episode, but this was the first time that, other than any of the Bad Batch folks, we had a specific clone who clearly was having his own thoughts. Uh... I kind of got in the sense for a while that most of the clones we were dealing with were kind of Order 66 automatons to some extent. Sure. Um what, what did you kind of take of, of of his character and the way he was? Because he certainly seemed like there were some moments where he was like not, you know, at one point he was uh, going to kind of let uh, Hera off the hook because he had a good relationship with Cham. You know, he's not just kind of like good soldiers follow orders. What, what was your take on on him and what what they're doing with the whole idea of the clones with his character?
2: I um yeah I I like that you know I I'm, uh, I've I've kind of had enough with mind control. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no idea what you're talking about there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, cut also was in um the second episode right? Yeah. Um, correct. The the defector or whatever. Um, deserter whatever you want to call somebody who escaped slavery and then um, people say things that don't make sense. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But, like, yeah, this was the first um, clone I think we saw still with the Empire who seems to be like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. And it, it feels like the seeds of, like, the, like, Clone Rebellion or something, right? right. Like, where, um, I mean, I don't know how that's going to end up, but it definitely felt like he did not want to go along with uh, what you know, exactly what the emperor, Empire was doing. And um, I, I really appreciated that. I, I, that, was, that was one of my favorite parts of the episode. I also want to um, just comment on, there were some sound cues that I thought were fantastic. And mm. I'm glad you pointed that out, Jay Scotty. Okay. Um, that, that were like calls back, some were like callbacks to Rebels and some felt like there were callbacks to like the original trilogy, some of the themes, you know. Um, and, and uh, you know, the music continues to be outstanding, but it definitely yeah. stood out to me in this episode. Uh but yeah, I, I really like having you know, showing some dissent amongst the clones and it's like they might have a chip and but it's like they're not going to be automatons all the time. It's like sometimes the chip is like doing a thing, but you know, I I, I hope that they find some way of kind of going away from that a little bit. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, is there gonna be a mission where they go and try and like, if there are chips that are programming them to do, do a thing, but they're able to engage aspects of it, right, to kind of program them in live time, like, couldn't the Bad Batch go and, like, disrupt that, maybe? Yeah. You know? I think that would be interesting. Um, obviously, we know that the Clone Army doesn't rebel and then overthrow the Empire, um, that takes a little while longer. Spoilers for uh, <laughs> Return of the Jedi and yes. <laughs> the original trilogy. But, you know, uh, yeah. So so I, I really liked I, I liked that character because he felt like a character to me, right? Yeah. Not just like um, a random trooper who was just good soldiers follow orders.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. I'm a little surprised that neither one of you are familiar. I, I felt like they were setting him up as a character that I... Maybe have had I watched Rebels or Clone Wars that yeah. I might have some familiarity with. But I wonder what his future is going to be. He's He definitely stood out everything from just, like, the turquoise color yeah. sash that we we haven't seen before to his haircut. And, yeah, just his personality, the fact that he was the one that talked Cham down, uh, in addition to you know, Sandula, as well. But I, I've got to wonder, the choice to have Rampart be the, like, the main imperial, the imperial yeah. leadership that was present for these proceedings, it makes me wonder what is going to be the conflict between Crosshair and Rampart, and potentially Hauser. I'm wondering now mm-hmm. p- because he was introduced in this episode. We know Rampart is kind of the one that is advocating for the move away from clones to right. to conscripted soldiers. So I, I, I've, I've got to wonder: is there a, a big conflict coming between Crosshair? And Rampart and, and potentially Hauser here. What do you what do you guys think about that?
0: I, I think that's likely, and I'll kinda of echo what Paula said. Like, and for me, the topic of agency is a very important one, one that like I think over the last couple of months keeps coming up. I don't like stories where people don't have agency and where it's, you know, mind control makes them bad, and then someone stuff you know, does the thing or removes the chip or whatever it is and all of a sudden they're good. I like when to me, brainwashing is much more the like you've conditioned a person to make choices and then they can choose something else, but they're Mm -hmm. fighting conditioning. Like that's a, uh, to me, that's much of an interesting story. And so, because one of the things I think that was so interesting about the clones is that very much unlike what I think people thought they were supposed to do, is that they developed relationships. And they developed relationships with the Jedi, they developed relationships with each other, and they developed relationships with the people they were protecting or working with. So especially I think uh, Hauser is not a character we've met before. And at first I kind of wished it was, but then actually I think it's a lot better that it's not because it's more of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that like, even if it's kind of a, like he dis- he may still have good soldiers follow orders. His orders were to protect the Twi'leks. His orders were to mm-hmm. defend Ryloth. His right. orders were to work with people like Cham, And so I would kind of love it if he like has a real kind of moral moment, not of... Like a chip one way or the other, but where he really decides follow you know, doing being a good soldier, being a good person is supporting these people who I've built relationships with. Uh so yeah, I, I think that could definitely be very interesting. Paul, what's your what's your kind of take on it?
2: Yeah, I would love that. Um I, I share your feelings on like conditioning sort of brainwashing. Like that's a real world thing, right? Yeah. That's like what people face all the time just in in terms of like literally just like society that we exist in and also more overt like attempts to to control people and so when you tell stories that involve that as an element um you know there's a character's agency is challenged but it isn't non-existent whereas when it's just total brute force mind control either from a chip or some magical power or whatever um it's then, then that character is no longer doing those character things, and there's not really a connection to the real world in some ways, you right. know, in terms of, like, actions people take. So I would really like it if, you know, this character does have, like, well, but I was, you know, I mean, sort of like their conditioning was to defend Ryloth originally, right? right. And then it's like now it's sort of being changed, and if it's just being changed with a chip then there's not a whole lot of question to have there. But if it's being changed by just, like, receiving new orders and being like, well, hey, but these orders kind of make all the other orders I was following before feel like they don't make sense. Right. You know? So um, I I think that would be an interesting story. And I I would like to to see that. And I I feel like that feels like something that they are setting up kind of deliberately going in that direction.
0: And one way they could... This is one of those things where, like, they've dropped a few hints and I hope they're going to pick up on this, but they may just be a little bit of non-consistent writing. Mm-hmm. Like one thing they set up early is that there was this way of kind of like doubling down on the chip uh yeah. that people like uh Crosshair and others went through. And so I think you could do something interesting with like, for those people, it is still kind of mind control, which is not great, but at least then you can understand that most of the clones, especially the ones who haven't, cycle back through coruscant right don't have that and so for them it is sort of like order 66 was like right then kill all the jedi but then right. it kind of fade and because um, i do want them to be consistent about like is it the chip or is it agency but i think that would be a really nice way to say like it, it, you can have some agency for most of the clones even if not for crosshair himself though i want in the end i want crosshair to have agency too but i just yeah, don't know where yeah, we can yeah. go with that
2: i think they sort of established that the chips are non-perfect right right like in the clone wars Mm -hmm. a chip malfunctions and goes off early and uh you know should have exposed the whole plot but like the jedi are idiots i guess but like (laughs) (laughs) um and like some like in clone wars there's other clones who kind of Somewhat resisted at least for a while, right? Right. And it doesn't seem to have worked with most of the Bad Batch, but it did with Crosshair. And so, having they've kind of, um, sort of, I think, deliberately written that it's like they kind of get to decide, right? right? And ultimately, like, I think the plot gets to decide, right? And that could be frustrating at times, but uh, it does feel like at least they're being consistent in terms of, um, it's going to be somewhat inconsistent and we know that ahead of time. And so right. maybe um, Hauser's chip just isn't as, it just doesn't function as efficiently as, you know, as crosshairs or whatever.
0: Right. I will say one other part to me, it's funny when Jay Scotty, we started talking about at a Rampart playing such a big part. I, I thought you were going to go into something else. I, I, I oh, love yeah. the point you brought up to be clear, um, which is a lot of the frustration I'm having rampart feels like a perfectly fine generic imperial officer who's not very interesting but is just imperial officer number 25 whatever which i would be fine with him having become the main protagonist if the first couple episodes and the marketing hadn't made me think tarkin was going to be the main protagonist like every time rampart is on screen (laughs) that's (laughs) (laughs) worth i don't know why tarkin isn't like you know, we have a good voice actor who can play Tarkin. It's not Uncanny yeah, yeah. Valley stuff. I every time I see Rampart, I'm like, okay, but you could have Tarkin. Like, why isn't this Tarkin? Um, and granted, Tarkin is a different role and more powerful. But kind of, what, what's your thought of that? Are you enjoying Rampart there? Do you want more Tarkin?
1: Uh, I I like Rampart for the the role he plays. I I like I said. I I think the most interesting things there are what we saw from him initially. The fact that he's the one that's advocating for. the the conscripted soldier so strongly but i do agree with what you're saying there there it could be potentially a, a stronger uh, character choice and just you know endear us even more to the character of tarkin he's obviously has, has been such a even even though we really only seen him in in a new hope and then people can take or leave the addition of him in rogue one i i i enjoyed it for what it was yeah I liked it. Uh, so yeah, it, it definitely could have been a, a nice opportunity to spend more time with that character, but I'm enjoying Rampart for the the role that he he serves. That's fair. I I, I hear where you're coming from in terms of wanting more Tarkin. Um,
2: I'm a little indifferent in general in terms of Tarkin, and um, I I want more different characters. Like mm-hmm. one of my complaints in Rebels was that it felt kind of small because it felt like there was like a small number and over time it it got better in this regard right but it felt like it was a small number of imperial officers on screen right and it felt like too much of a coincidence and so here if it was just like always Tarkin I think that would be too much like not that it couldn't have been Tarkin here but it does feel like I, I feel like I want more different officers and just like speaking to that like they do this smuggling mission, right? Or they try and smuggle in some guns, like, three dozen blasters. Like, this is a planet. That like, seems very
0: small, yeah. Like <laughs> You know?
2: I'm like, you, you didn't just have three dozen blasters somewhere lying around? Like It's like, wow. It's like, that's not really, like, arms smuggling, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get what was up with that. And I think that's... That was certainly, I will say, a problem... We brought up this up last week in terms of yeah. every planet, but especially I think on Ryloth, it does sometimes feel like it's Cham and his merry band of 20 people fighting to liberate a town of 500 instead exactly. of like a planet of like. When you think about how Twi'leks are everywhere in the gal, like yeah. Ryloth feels like Ireland, you know, <laughs> like there's like a huge, <laughs> huge Twi'lek diaspora community. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I want there to be more than 500 people on Ryloth. Yeah. I, I will say I, I like what you said though about like not wanting the world to feel small I, is actually like even even better illustration of why I'm so glad that Hauser is new because I think in mm. oh, the same yeah. way like totally it definitely would have felt and I like I think I have no problem with Rampart I just wish there was like 30 seconds of him like checking in with Tarkin you know like sure uh, some, some way of hologram. having that connection because my sense is that by the end of the season the discussion to discontinue the clones has to be made and that Tarkin's going to make that decision, um, and so I'm, I'm, I definitely want more of him. But what did you guys think of of having, uh, not having the Bad Batch on screen for most of the episode? Did you, did you miss them, or were you kind of thinking actually it was nice to have have a break?
1: I was so enraptured with, with what was happening so early on in the episode that I didn't miss them initially. It was around the eight minute mark. I, that's when I hovered my my cursor over Disney Plus. I was like, wait a second, we're like. How far into this episode are we? <laughs> Eight minutes in, and it wasn't actually until thirteen minutes into the episode that they finally do show up. So I was missing them. I was missing them. But as Paul mentioned earlier, it was a it was an interesting narrative choice to have your title characters basically just cameo in an episode, and yeah uh, it was nice to get that interaction between Hera and Omega. Omega continues to just she owned the scene. It, you know, yeah. it was the only offering of the Bad Batch we got that episode, and tech got a funny line in there but omega owned the scene otherwise so
2: yeah i agree with that um i I really enjoyed that scene on its own and i feel like maybe they're going to come in to try and rescue cham or whatever you know Mm -hmm. there, there might be some further mission going on there but uh it definitely felt to me like um a a a narrative choice that I approve of. Like, I like the idea of that, you know. Right. I didn't find the episode itself as compelling. Um, it, it's. I think it's interesting that they're kind of doing the same thing on different planets. Sort mm-hmm. of like showing, you know, how all these transitions are going. Um, the, the, the individual stories feel a little bit thin and each planet feels a little bit like one of those Western towns with like one street. You yeah, know? exactly. So I, I would like to feel more depth on a given planet. Um, and we, that to Will's comment in the chat, um, super tangent. Also, <laughs> hi fellas. <laughs> I feel like the entirety of star Wars could have taken place on one large planet instead of an entire galaxy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you know that exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, eh, and, like, then you wouldn't have spaceships, so that's why it doesn't, you know? Right. But yeah. it, its I think it's hard to kind of balance, like, trying to have this big expansiveness with, like, are you going to have a hundred characters on each planet? Like, are you going to show five different towns? Like, you could, right. but then, like, I almost feel like you'd want to do a series for each planet. And, like, I don't know. I could be down for that. Do Like, like I, I will take the Clone Wars as an example of of at points being a little less this way. Yes. Where because they had multi-episode arcs on given planets at different places and they would come back to places, it felt a little less that way than most places. But, you know, you still got the ice planet, forest moon, you know, desert planet kind of thing. A lot of like like,
0: monosphere, you know, only one ecosphere. Uh, Yeah, and Will, who by the way is Will Freeland of the Hype is My Superpower podcast. Great podcast. If you love comics, definitely check it out. Uh, he also says that, uh, I hate that each planet we go to only ever has one camp or town. Uh, unless the planets are comparable in size to Super, Mount- Super Mario Galaxy, <laughs> then we're good. Which, yeah. I, I And I, I get that. I think, I think for sure it could have all been one planet. We needed space battles, which I love the space battles, so I'm not right, complaining. Right. Yeah. One thing I think that the TV show Rebels did quite well is that especially in the first couple seasons, and even to some extent the last, Rebels oh, is yeah. mostly about one planet. Mm-hmm. It's mostly about one planet that is being like hard for the empire to subjugate and the ongoing effort there. And then how like the efforts of that planet to push back against the empire draws the attention of the thing that is forming, that becomes the rebel Alliance and it gets pulled into other stories. And it's not perfect, but I did think that was a better example because uh, they talk about different locations on that planet. Yeah. Um Even Mandalorian, I remember in season two, uh, there was that one episode where they go, they go to Tatooine, I think, and we learned, like, there's more than Mos Eisley on Tatooine. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> um, it's
0: all desert. But um, yeah. which, one more reason why I'm really excited for the TV show Kenobi, because the Kenobi show book, at least, gives a much better understanding of that Tatooine is, like, a not very settled planet with only a couple of, like, settlements, but also right. a large indigenous population, the, the, um, the Tusken Raiders. Yeah. So we'll get to that. But yeah, I, I think I definitely hear what you're saying. I think I, I think you're right. Like I, I like I like more of the richness of the world. And I think this show would have been better if after like four or five episodes, like whatever planet Sid has on had become mm. kind of their home planet and they were mostly right. doing things around there or maybe like always coming back there and spending some time mm-hmm. there because it does it does it can make the universe feel very small and like there's only you know, one general anywhere, you know. Right. Um that, that
2: planet go ahead. feels like there's like a bar and then an alley.
0: Yeah. Right. Like,
2: <laughs> and like, I would like to see a little bit more of that. Like, yeah. it, you know, like a couple episodes or like a few locations on every planet. Right. I think would go a long way.
0: Yeah. Especially because Ryloth, especially you have had, um, in both some of the books and in some of the, in the, I mean the Clone Wars, we actually got a much richer picture of Ryloth. Yeah. Like how it has For a, sure. there's a lot more to it. Uh, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up, and Paul, maybe uh, I was more into this in part because I was more into the characters. I, I think one of the reasons I loved it was I Hera and Chopper are two of my favorite characters from Rebels. Maybe two of my favorite mm-hmm. characters in Star Wars. Certainly Chopper. Mm-hmm. And I just loved getting to see, not their origin story, but like this felt like, Paul, you and I often talk about the problems with prequels. I yeah. felt like this was a good way of showing who Hera was and how she becomes the person we know her to become. Mm-hmm. without feeling like they were, there was no moment here where I was like, why didn't that ever come up in Rebels? You know, it didn't have the prequel right. problem, which, granted, it was 10 minutes instead of two hours, but sure. wh- how did you feel about getting to see Hera and uh, Chopper on screen?
2: Uh, it it did... So out of all the kind of cameos and characters showing up earlier, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit the least organic to me. Mm, okay. But, like, I, I'm not totally sure why, because... It feels like it was just like, here's this story. Um, Right. Like, I I don't have a a real, a way I can articulate that and have it make sense. Because it feels like it's like, I agree with what you just said. You know, it doesn't have the sort of prequelitis of like, oh, well, I mean, like, we, (laughs) we, we, um, we, we know, like, where it's, um, I don't know, like where the story's going. We do know where the story's going. We know, well, some of us do, right? not all of us do, right? <laughs> and I guess you don't need to, to know that. Um, but it, it just, I don't know. It, I don't know, uh, honestly. Like, it, it seems fine. Like, on, on on paper, it's like, oh yeah, that's good. You know, there wasn't anything really that bothered me about the, the prequel nature of it. And mm-hmm. so that's a success. Uh, it just—I don't know—I just like wasn't feeling this episode
1: that much.
0: Right, that's fair. What about for you? Uh, just got not having seen those characters before. What was kind of your take on them?
1: Yeah, I'll start with Chopper. Uh, in terms of being a droid, I was really impressed with the amount of personality and its unique personality. We've seen a number of droids in the Star Wars universe at this point in time, between L three, uh, C three PO, R two, obviously, and then uh, yeah, just. I don't know exactly how to describe him. Initially, I was like, "Is he like a depressed R 2 <laughs> But not quite. He's he's got some. He's got a little bit of a gung ho nature about him too. So I did enjoy his character, and I got I got a laugh out of him pretty much any time he got kind of animated and started doing his wub wubs. Yeah, uh, I, I got a kick out of that. For Hera, it was it was definitely I got the inklings of like the the beginning of the hero's journey. But the moment that really stood out to me. Was in the introduction when she's looking up at the sky and you have those alien birds flying by, the music really stood out. And what I think they were trying, I'm, what I'm hoping they were trying to showcase with this character, let me know if I'm right or wrong. But the musical theme there very much sounded like the binary sunset meets mm-hmm. Leia's theme. Yeah, and yeah. And I, I was like, so, yeah. okay, is this supposed to be the best parts of Luke meets the best parts of Leia? Is that this character? I, I certainly hope so. That sounds like a, an incredible character.
0: Yeah, she has. Um, she she has a very interesting plot arc. I think in part because she doesn't and I don't want to spoil anything for Rebels, but I think she's one of the she's one of the characters who doesn't feel like she's Luke 2.0 or Han 2.0 or someone like that. Like she doesn't really fit. She has elements of a couple of those different people in her. And I think I think I I first of all Chopper's great. Yeah, Chopper's just a lot of fun in the Rebels show and he he kind of is breaking a lot of the rules that I think we've established for droids up till now, but it's so much fun that no one really cares. Um <laughs> Uh, and in some ways I feel like Chopper is what they would have wanted R2-D2 to be if they had that level of technology for, mm. you know, automated things happening on screen in the 70s. Sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong there, I'm not sure, but that's really my impression. I think with Hera especially, the, maybe part of why I really liked it is, and I I mean, Paul, you and I may have disagreed on this, in Rebels, one of my favorite story arcs was Hera and her father. And the kind of, the way in which Hera, like, the the what we learned about their dynamic i don't even think it was flashbacks they just talked about it like her connection with her father and her father always kind of being more focused on like saving my people the people of ryloth right. instead of his family necessarily um had really kind of affected her and how they both like they both came to the rebellion from very different perspectives and and so i just i just am really liking seeing the beginnings of that dynamic and it makes me not want to go watch the, the the rebels episodes where that dynamic comes back
2: yeah, I think if I'd more recently seen Rebels, maybe it would have um, kind of resonated more for me. Uh, that Hera wasn't my favorite character in the. they did some things I think were really cool. And I will say that, like, I can see some Luke in terms of the sort of like looking off to the stars right. kind of thing. And I can see some Leia in terms of some other aspects of her character and how she grows. And I can see some Han in, in terms of... Flying a ship, you know, like being like this is my ship, and uh, so I, you know, I I really do like the character, but um, in terms of the rebels show, just like wasn't my favorite. Like Sabine was definitely much more like she's got to show up in the Mandalorian season. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's all all I could say. But like, yeah, it. it, um, I don't know. It. It. It just something
0: wasn't
2: it, yeah I, I, it also could be like it was three in the morning and like <laughs> i just watched a thing where people had accents that i sort of didn't really understand why they had and then i was like i don't understand why these people and now that i do if i watched it with that context maybe i would feel a little differently but right. like you know i don't
0: know I that's don't fair know. that's so fair it's also i mean it's it's episode 11 of an episodic tv show and i feel like we've kind of like yeah. we, it's been so long since we've watched episodic tv in some ways right. in the in these universes that this feels a little weird and this feels a little bit less episodic especially because it's clearly mm. the first part of a two-part arc um or right it may actually be the entire probably. rest of what would you say
2: oh probably right
0: yeah i mean well uh do you More mind a spoiler based on episode names
2: I guess not, whatever.
0: Okay. The next episode is like Rescue on Ryloth or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it maybe we're, we're coming up to the end of the season, so maybe that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of love it if we spend the next five episodes on Ryloth. Although I think pretty clearly we have to go back to... Uh, um, Bracca. Bracca, you know, um, yeah. because that's where you... And maybe,
2: um, what's it called? Maybe
0: meet Cal and, you know, see what I, and but also get back to the planet where they can take more chips out and stuff like that. Um, although you can certainly do it other places as well. So I think that kind of uh wraps things up pretty well. Um any other last questions from the chat? Uh, I know Ash has been having a lot of fun teasing you, Paul. I don't uh she said, yeah, Oh Paul, yeah. you know why and I don't yeah. remember what she was saying that in reference uh, to. That,
2: that's when I said I don't know why it didn't like kind of resonate with me oh, okay. in the, that's the fair. way. Yeah. Um, uh, a- Ash you'd be disappointed. The there was no no one was
0: out. killed. Uh well I mean, a few people killed, <laughs> but not, you know, any yeah, gr- I think there was gruesome some slaughter. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, so from from you all or from the chat, any other kind of last comments you want to make about the show before we wrap up?
1: Well, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight a little bit of the animation. So yeah, uh, I oh, will to yeah. harp on the same things I've said in the past. Uh, this time around, as far as seeing the Twileks go from having only seen them in, in live action primarily, really impressed with the the textures and the markings and like the the brandings on the Twilek leku. I kept like mm-hmm. finding myself any time a character was was talking, even though there's these incredible micro-trans, uh, micro expression, excuse me, uh, micro-transaction shows you where my, my brain's <laughs> at with the video game world these days, but, yeah, um, the micro-expressions that are happening, especially with the character at Cham, I, I, really felt his conflicted nature was, uh, expressed very well across his face, but, yeah, going back to the Leku, I just found myself constantly being drawn back and, like, really intrigued with, like, the, the variations between, like, some look like they were intentional body modifications, other one looks like, looked like they were more natural birth patterns and and what have you but really good stuff there yeah yeah i mean
2: i i agree with all that i, I think it was it you know continues to be a great looking show um you know there, there wasn't maybe quite the same level of fight choreography as in some of the others but that's fine um i i i'm fine with episodic tv not loving every episode yeah they didn't do anything in this episode i hated and like, that's a win. Like, yeah. you know, like there wasn't a thing that I was like, oh, this is so. I mean, you know, the thing about like they're smuggling three dozen guns, it's like, really? That's the, you know, but like it didn't, um, it didn't like set me off really on anything. And like, I'm fine with having a 16 episode season where like eight of the episodes I love yeah. and like four of the episodes I like and like four of the episodes I'm like, eh. Like, I don't know why, you know, and if they take this arc further, it's possible that I'll get more invested in it and, and enjoy yeah. it more. So, you
0: know. Yeah. Paul, you I and, and I have often talked yeah. about it. Burn Notice is kind of one of our favorite yeah. episodic TV shows and a very good balance of episodic with overall story. And yeah. I recently yeah. kind of rewatched that with my partner, uh-huh. Mary. And I still think of it as one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. There's definitely some episodes right. that are kind of weak, you know, I. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah
2: they're rocking like 20 some episodes most seasons. Yeah. Right? Like
0: there's going to be some, some kind of fill in the blanks, you know, and that's fine. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I got I that's how I kind of feel about some of the last episodes. But I think this episode right. has me now much more pumped about the show and right. kind of concerned because I do think for me a lot of that's because I'm just kind of. <laughs> I think there are more important, I think there are going to be interesting chapters to the story of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they can't really tell those. Like the, the next step is the finale. Uh, and, and.
2: Oh, for the Bad Batch themselves?
0: Yeah. Uh, not the end of the Bad Batch, but like.
2: No, I get you.
0: I feel like. I feel like we're kind of in that like holding pattern of we don't want to take the Bad Batch any further because the next big thing is going to be their confrontation with Crosshair and something along those those lines. But now we have to have filler for a couple episodes. Um, And like the last couple of episodes I thought were great for a lot of things, but I've I've kind of, I'm not, I'm not super excited to know what happens to Wrecker or Hunter anymore, which I'm disappointed Mm by. Um, I will say also, I mean, we've gotten so much about Hunter and Wrecker and their interactions with Omega I would love to see more of Tech and Fives. Like, that might be a fun thing right. to spend some more time on. We... Echo, Echo. Echo, yeah. Uh, fives
2: the... were, sadly, what? we're not going to see any more Fives. Yeah, no, sadly. I mean, I did reference Fives in this episode. Right. But...
0: We can go back and watch him in The Clone Wars again. So, Anyway, that, that was kind of the main stuff I wanted to say. Um, actually, I just say one last thing uh, about Cham, Cham Sandula. Because someone actually asked this in the of Panda podcast group. They're saying it feels weird because most of the time when we see him, he's a fighter. And I feel like this actually transition period really makes sense because my my reading of his character arc, uh, there'll be slight spoilers for where he is in in Rebels, but but I'll try to keep it as slight as possible. You know, during the Clone Wars, he's a rebel and he's a fighter and he's kind of, um, one of the things that I think makes his character so interesting is he's not out to help the Republic or the, you know, the Separatists or later the Alliance. He's out to protect Ryloth.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think that's
0: a very interesting perspective of someone who is like, I want to protect my home, and I don't care about these larger fights. And it's part of the conflict with him and Hera, and it it gets uh, resolved later. But, like, so in Clone Wars, he's a rebel. In uh, Rebels, he's the same kind of thing. Here, I kind of like that he's actually being hesitant, because what he feels to me like is someone who has fought for so long, thinks the fight is finally over, and is in that kind of place of, like, okay it's not the best piece, but, but we're done. It's okay to be done. And it's now trying, like, people are starting to remind him, like, maybe we're not done yet, and he's not wanting that. Because I feel like him finally having to accept, okay, nope, we got to go back to the fight, really helps to set up where he is by where we get him in Rebels, mm-hmm. when he's just kind of the very sort of, like, weary, cynical, jaded fighter. Um, mm-hmm. Jay Scott, obviously, I know you, you haven't seen any of that, but, but, Paul, does that kind of fit? Did, did his character feel, like... Appropriate for in between those two parts of him that we've seen.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I feel it works. I feel it, it fills in the arc some. Um, speaking of which, I feel like I actually tend to enjoy the filler episodes the most mm, on okay. this and a lot of shows. Like, I just don't need the big plot all the That's time, fair. you know. And it's like having. It, I feel like this show has had enough episodes that don't connect to the big plot, right? That those episodes don't feel out of place. Yeah. The way they might in a series where it's like, if there's 16 episodes and two of them don't connect, it feels like, why do you have those two episodes? Yeah. But like if seven or eight of them don't connect and, and seven or eight of them do, then it like, it feels more balanced. It feels more like, yeah, some big thing isn't going to happen all the time. There's life in between and we're showing that, but then we're going to show the big things too. But yeah, I, I do. um I do think the character arc makes sense. um And uh you know that's good like it's it's hard to do yeah. right to take a character and tell their story here and then take a character and tell their story here that's a little easier than some other things although not the easiest and then be like now we're gonna fill in this kind of connective tissue and not doing it in a way that steps on the first one or the last one and you know i think they i think they did a good job of that yeah. um it does feel a little bit of a, Somebody, like i try uh... to get out but they keep pulling me back in <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, yeah i think it's definitely the kind know, of approach yeah. I, I feel for him well,
1: folks, this is great. Somebody brought up Ken can Ken-
0: Good. Go I just was gonna go say
1: somebody brought up Kenobi earlier when you were talking about exploring a character in between two different time mm-hmm. periods we we've seen. I was, mm-hmm. Chloe is it is it Chloe Zhao? No, no, thats in Eternals. Who's uh who's doing Kenobi? She did the episodes on uh Mandalorian. Deborah Chow?
0: I think it's Deborah yeah, Chow. Yeah,
1: Deborah Chow. Forgive me. Forgive me, yeah. Be interested to see how she, she tackles that one.
0: Definitely, yeah. I, I the Kenobi and Ahsoka shows are probably two of the ones that I'm, I'm obviously excited for Boba Fett and Mandalorian, but especially Kenobi, I think, because I, I so loved the book, which is funny because, the, well, you've all heard my thoughts on the rematch of the century that I have no interest in. But other than that, <laughs> right, I'm right, super right, excited right, right. for Kenobi. Well, yeah. uh, folks, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Jay Scotty, for people who want to hear your stuff, I know you've just done a great wrap-up of uh, Young Justice. You're doing other stuff on the Animation Liberation podcast. Uh, talk folks. We're going to hear you
1: animation deliberation wherever you get your podcast you can find us at animation deliberation if you've got feedback for us send that to animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com or if you're part of the stranded panda community and you're part of the stranded panda chat you can always hit up myself or my co-host Zuhair there uh i've i've said it many times but it's a great time to be a fan of nerdy stuff and animation in particular we just had the good the bart and the Loki drop on Disney+, Plus, which is a crossover between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and The Simpsons. So we're going to do a little cast on that. I'm excited about that. We also have Masters of the Universe, the Revelation series dropping. I, I
0: thought that was just a random meme. I had no idea that was an actual thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an actual... It's So the full run, including credits, is like six minutes, so it's a very short thing. But uh, I know Melissa Khalil, who appears on... A lot of panda stuff she's a huge simpsons fan so we're gonna have her on uh but i was i was bringing up masters of the universe the revelation series is dropping later this month i know you're a big fan of that so you've expressed interest in that hopefully we can bring you on for a couple episodes of that and yeah it's just a a good time check us out at animation deliberation give us some reviews give us some love we're still a new show and uh, looking forward to some growth so thanks for this opportunity always have a pleasure chatting bad batch
0: yeah definitely and we will have you sing the animation liberation theme song at least once uh before before we get you out of here uh paul (laughs) uh, i know you've been kind of jumping around in terms of what you're doing online these days where can folks find you
2: uh zen madman on twitch is my main haunt Uh, i'm streaming i actually streamed just chatting today and talked about things like clerks and El mariachi and uh Speaking of Robert Rodriguez, yeah. and Boba Boba Fett. <laughs> it
0: was a lot of fun. Um,
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of poker, but I'm also doing some other various stuff. You can just come and say hi and, and hang out and, and chat a little bit. Um, also, I've been catching up on Young Justice, and I'm so I can kind of interleave the episodes with uh, the uh, the podcast. But in 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 one of the episodes, I was like, they had um, they, they have Gotham like in Connecticut. like near New Haven. I looked on a map, I had to pause it and the the app is so bad, but, you know, rewinding and trying to fast forward, it's it's not good, but it's like near New Haven, Connecticut and I was like, that's,
0: that's not where Gotham is. Like,
2: come <laughs> on. <laughs> it is one of the most un Connecticut cities. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, like, you know, Zack Schneider wants to basically make it like Brooklyn across the river from right. Metropolis. Uh, Oakland, Christopher Nolan wants to make it Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you right. know, mm-hmm. we have some different ideas <laughs> of what it could be. But uh, right, anyway, right. at this point, I think we're, we're far enough afield that it's time to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To our listeners, thank you always so much. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at The Ethical Panda. You can also uh, email us, theethicalpanda We've been getting a lot of great comments. I'm going to bring some feedback in for later episodes. I might do a Bad Batch feedback episode, depending on how much we get. So please send in more comments. Obviously, we're doing a lot more on Twitch. Um, Hopefully, I'm going to have this up in the next couple of hours, but before Sunday, because Sunday night at 8 o'clock Central, Paul and I will be doing an episode on um, some animated stuff, actually, Uh, Luca and Raya. uh, Nice. Two animated movies we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, and Jay Scotty, you know, you and Zuhair are also doing stuff on Raya, so definitely check that out on the Animation Liberation podcast. But if you want to be part of the live recording of our episode for Superhero Ethics, check that out at 8 p.m. Central right here on twitch.tv, The Ethical Panda. Uh, please drop us a follow. Drop a follow to Zen Madman's channel. Uh, you're probably already listening, but if not, definitely drop a follow to the Stranded Panda TV channel. They do Twitch, they're doing now a Thursday night show with Jeff and Ashley where they get drunk and talk about mythology. That's a lot of fun. Uh, There's all sorts of great stuff going on. And, of course, all the podcasts that I'm part of, as well as the ones that Jay Scotty is a part of and and all the rest of this, you can find all that at the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. You can go to strandedpanda.com or just search for Stranded Panda Chat on Facebook. You'll find a great community where we have been very good about having a, a community that has great discussion, great feedback, a lot of back and forth, some of it's fun memes, some of it's deep discussion. But we are—we don't have any toxicity that we allow, and we don't allow spoilers in the first forty-eight hours for anything. Mm-hmm. So, if you wanna—you hear this now—you wanna jump on a fan site and not get spoiled about Bad Batch. Uh, I'm sorry, not get spoiled about Black Widow. That, or well, don't have any spoilers bad about batch. Bad Batch. You, you'll nest it all. You'll see it there. But yeah, it's a great place to jump on in. So, Stranded Panda chat on Facebook, Ethical Panda, the Ethical Panda. And Zed Madman, check out both of those on Twitch.tv. And most importantly, the one thing I'll ask you to do, the most important thing that I'm please, please asking you to do from the very bottom of my heart, have a good day.
2: If you want